solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. and Texans Nation. It's Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Glad to have you listening in. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be joined by Cody Davis and John Hickman of Locked On Texans. Two teams that uh, haven't exactly had fantastic seasons by any stretch of the imagination. The Texans coming into this game at 2-10. and 10, The Seahawks being 4-8 and eight, uncharted waters for Pete Carroll's team. Like we were talking about before the show, guys, you know, the Texans were talking Super Bowl a couple years ago. The Seahawks have consistently been in contention, and yet these two teams find themselves in last place in their respective divisions going into week 14. Yeah, you mentioned Super Bowl right now, and the Texans are really just fighting for a chili bowl or a bowl of gumbo <laughs> since it's wintertime here in the South. But uh, the Seahawks, for me, is a team where I'm very – disappointed and you know the possibilities I thought that they would be able to do this year I thought that this team would be able to rebound from last year another year with Metcalf and Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and you know the offense has been disappointing the defense has been disappointed Corbin and the funniest thing about this matchup on Sunday I think everyone is going to discuss the last time these two teams played against each other in 2017 when Deshaun Watson had his coming out party in 2017 and the Seattle Seahawks, you guys were still in the midst of being a Super Bowl contender. Now, four years later, everything about both of these organizations have flipped. So when you when you take a look at the Seahawks in 2021, what are some of the key storylines that you are looking into now? Yeah, it's just been such a weird year for the Seahawks because Russell Wilson's been Iron Man, had never missed a single game in his first nine seasons in the NFL, and then comes in and suffers a finger injury that was pretty significant, probably should have been out longer than he was, but again, he's Superman. He gets back in five weeks when it was supposed to be six to eight, but it looked like he probably could have taken a little bit more time because the first three games he came back just didn't look like Russell Wilson throws airmailed all over the place, just didn't look right. Well, last week he seemed to get right. And so to me, that's the biggest storyline going into this game. Even though Seahawks are four and eight, they're still somehow not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs because the NFC has been so top heavy. You've got a bunch of teams in their 500 that are still very much in the mix for one of those three wildcard spots and the Seahawks they're right now at around a two to 3% chance of making the postseason. They're almost eliminated. But like Pete Carroll said earlier this week, we're not dead yet. And with Russell Wilson playing the way that he did on Sunday against the 49ers completing 30 out of 37 passes should have had three touchdown passes, had two Gerald Everett dropped one ended up becoming interception, but he was the best easily that he has been this really the entire season dating back to week one, because even before the injury, his play was kind of up and down with a new offensive coordinator. So that is something that is really exciting going into this matchup in Houston. It feels like finally the offense has awakened and they could have put up 45, 50 points last weekend. They had three possessions inside the 20 yard line for the 49ers that they got zero points and they still ended up putting 30 on the board. So 
that's probably the most exciting one. And in terms of positive storylines on the flip side, the defense has been playing really well for a month and a half, but now they lose Jamal Adams, who has been playing really good football over the last five or six games, had kind of a rough start to the year for a player that was getting paid the money the Seahawks are paying him, didn't play the way they expected, wasn't making game-changing plays. But over the last month or so, had really come into his own in coverage. They figure out how to use him, and now they're going to have Ryan Neal starting his plays. Ryan Neal's proven to be a solid football player, but he is not Jamal Adams. So I'm really curious to see how his absence impacts this defense moving forward, particularly the energy that he plays with, the passion he plays with. Can they still rebound moving into this game without having him out there? Are they going to be able to deal with that? And last year they were okay when they didn't have him, but last year they were a 12-win football team. This year they're four and eight. And so that is going to be something worth watching. How do they handle losing one of their best players on defense, even against a Texans offense that hasn't necessarily been lighting it up this year? Yeah, and when I take a look at storylines for the Houston Texans, look, nothing about this organization is positive. Nothing has been positive about this organization ever since the calendar flew to 2021. But, of course, one of the storylines that we got to talk about is the possibility of rookie quarterback Davis Mills starting for this organization. Because, first and foremost, you take a look at Tyrod Taylor. He has not been the guy we thought we was going to get a game manager that can kind of keep us afloat from football hell. As a matter of fact, he's been one of the reasons why the Houston Texans have been in football hell. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's his health or his subpar play that we saw last week against the, who we played against last week, the Indianapolis Colts. And he was benched in the third quarter. Now he has the so-called questionable wrist injury that I'm not falling for. I think they're using that as a cover-up in order to put Davis Mills in in for these last five games, starting with you guys. But of course, Davis Mills has shown some promise, but he still has a lot to prove in order for us and this organization to believe that he is the franchise quarterback moving forward. Because when you go back and you take a look at games like the Carolina Panthers, like the New England Patriots, there was times where we came away thinking, is he a, one of the best rookie quarterbacks in the league? Do you take a look at a game against the Los Angeles Rams or the game against the um, Buffalo Bills? You might think to yourself, man, Davis Mills is not only the worst rookie quarterback, but he's the worst quarterback in the league, period. And especially considering that it didn't matter if it was Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills, they cannot utilize their weapons that they have out there with their receiving core. I remember before we hit record, you were talking about how, you know, one of the weapons that you are looking at from the Houston Texans side of things is Brandon Cooks. Well, I'm happy to tell you, you might not have to worry about that because Davis Mills might not be, my, Davis Mills might not have an opportunity to get the ball to Brandon Cooks. So, you know, th that is one storyline that I'm looking at. You know, what version of Davis Mills are we going to see? And if we're going to see a much improved version from him from the last time we saw him in the loss against the Los Angeles Rams. And I also think a, a storyline that we need to talk about because it happened was the releasing of Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham is a player for the Houston Texans franchise that fell out of grace, suspended one full game this year, suspended a quarter this year. Uh, there's been multiple offenses where they have been missing COVID tests, where they have been late to practice. This coaching staff and, and this regime and, and Zach Cunningham have, have not seen eye to eye from day one. They also, uh, you know, when you look at him, not only is he being suspended or being benched, but there's times where he's only playing 30% of the snaps. 
only playing 40% of the NFL uh, defensive snaps for the team. Whereas last year, 164 tackles led the AFC in tackles, right? And got his big contract last year as well. And so now you're looking at a franchise who has understood, understood rather, that it's time to cut losses. And they've been doing that constantly throughout the year. They traded for Shaq Lawson where they went ahead and released him, uh, traded, uh, cut him early in the offseason. Uh, the Anthony Miller trade moved on from him. Philip Lindsay moved on from him. And I think Zach Cunningham is a player in a long line of players where they're just not seeing eye to eye with the franchise or the franchise is not seeing eye to eye with the player. There's a standard. There's a culture that Nick Casario and for how long he's going to be here, David Culley, they're trying to create. And the first thing that you really have to do is move on from players that are stuck in the past uh, of a guy like Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby and, and, and everybody else that came in that 2017, 18, 19, and 2020 draft. Uh, we are not necessarily upset that he's gone. He didn't have a good year, and I've been very critical on how in 2020 the new generation of linebackers can drop back in coverage, but not Zach Cunningham. So we're not upset that he's gone. I'm just more upset at how he left. Were they not able to find any asset in the trade form whether it's been a seventh-round or a sixth-round draft pick, maybe not due to his contract. Houston will have to pay the rest of that 12.5 he was due this year. But he won't affect Sunday's game, whether he was on a roster or not, because they haven't been playing him. But that is news to know for the Houston Texans. Yeah, you guys have had a really interesting past 24 months with that organization, with all the turnover and stuff. And I know – Fans in Seattle are kind of bracing for the potential that this next offseason could have similar effects in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of them are bracing, hoping, you know, maybe we won't do that. But with the way things have played out this season, with Seattle being four games under 500 this late in the season, it's very possible that could happen. We're going to move our focus to this game coming up on Sunday now, talking matchups. But first, if you want to go to Super Bowl 56, if you're a Seahawks fan or a Texans fan, you probably shouldn't be expecting to see either one of those teams playing at SoFi Stadium. But it's less than 100 days away, and on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. BetOnline has you covered all season long. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, to UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, gentlemen, let's talk matchups going into this game. And obviously, these are two teams that are not very familiar with one another because they only play every four years. And you mentioned it earlier, Cody, the last time these teams played, 
you know, the Texans looked like they were an up-and-coming potential Super Bowl dark horse with then-rookie Deshaun Watson under center, tons of talent on both sides of the ball. The Seahawks were loaded on both sides of the ball. And yet, here we are now, four years later, Seattle had high expectations. Houston going into this year did not. But both teams have dreadful records there in the bottom of their respective divisions. Let's talk concerning matchups. When the Texans are on defense, Cody, uh, what worries you most about this Seahawks offense going into this game? Russell Wilson. You're talking about one of the best quarterbacks over the last decade, you know? So, and, and I understand it that this year has not been the typical Russell Wilson that we all have seen over the last decade. I mean, you're talking about what, at worst, a top five, top, at time, top six quarterback in the league. However, yes, the Houston Texans defense have been a lot better than last year. As a matter of fact, you know, me and John had this conversation on yesterday. I think if you gave Deshaun Watson this version of the Texans defense, they would not have that four and 12 season that they had last year, but the Texans defense, especially the secondary, they have done a great job in creating takeaways. What I want to know and what I'm concerned about, is this going to be the game? Is this going to be a matchup where, Russell Wilson is going to be able to sustain the groove that he started to find last week. Because correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Wilson, he completed like 80, 81% of his passes last week, correct? And when he had like two touchdowns, that is really good. And when I take a look at the Texans defense, like I just mentioned, yes, they have been playing better. The secondary has been playing better. They don't have like a standout name, but they have been playing better as, as an entire group. But on the flip side of things, Russell Wilson, he still scares me. And I think that he can find holes within the Texans secondary that he is going to be able to exploit in order to push the ball down the field. I also want to add to that, Corbin. The past three years, excluding this year, the Seattle Seahawks has been one of the best run teams in the league. Right. And they've always averaged over 100 yards per game. This year, they're sitting at 97. And what really scares me when I look at this offense is not necessarily who you guys have. It's just what we do. The Houston Texans passing defense is 15th in the league. The Houston Texans run defense, 31st. And so I'm looking at a Russell Wilson who played amazing last week. He's trying to get back into the groove of being the Russell Wilson that we know and love. And one thing about Russ is at random times throughout the game, things may seem like you got them. He will break out for a 2025 yard. That just happens. And so I'm looking at the Seahawks team with Russell Wilson and his legs and whoever they may throw out there in that backfield. I am confident that they will be the better team when it comes to running the ball on Sunday. And that's what I'm most concerned about. You mentioned the secondary playing well, but I look at Seattle's front line. And they've got some injuries in the offensive line. They've been rotating players in at left guard. They're supposed to have Damian Lewis back this week, which would be a big boost. But their starting right tackle, Brandon Shell, probably not going to be playing, which means you're going to have a rookie out there, either your sixth-round pick, Stone Forsythe, or undrafted rookie, Jake Curran, is probably going to be starting at right tackle. And Jonathan Grenard really concerns me with the fact that he's got eight sacks this year. Anybody that is a viable pass rusher that knows how to get after a quarterback always worries me going into games against the Seahawks because the offensive line has been a consistent issue for them. And you add in the fact Dwayne Brown, father time has caught up with him some this year. He's given up eight sacks so far this season. He's played better the last few weeks, but just not 
typical Dwayne Brown this year. And it's his 14th season, so it's been a struggle. I, I think the edge rush, Grenard is a player that worries me a lot going into this football game because if Russell Wilson's got time to throw with the weapons he's got on the outside and he's now got D. Eskridge, the rookie, going, big game last week, D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett's not going to have a crappy game like he had last week again. That, that's just not going to happen. They've got tons of weapons, even against a Texan secondary that's played better. You would think that those receivers are going to win those battles, but Russell Wilson's got to have time to be able to get the ball to them. And that, that's the biggest concern for me. Now, flipping the script, when the Texans are on offense, you guys won't have to worry about Jamal Adams, who had been playing really well in recent weeks. But what concerns you about this Seahawks defense from a matchup perspective? John, I'm actually going to steal your answer really quick. It's not even y'all defense. It's just the Texans offense in general. That's what concerns me. Just them themselves. This is by far, arguably, if not, the worst offensive team that we have ever seen here in the city of Houston. From the quarterback play to an offensive line that we thought was going to be defense, but decent, but unfortunately, injuries has taken out Laramie Tunsil. Um, Justin Britt, he's back, but he's still banged up. Um, the, the run game, I'm not lying about this. All three of us can do better than what the Texans have in their backfield as of right now. That's how bad their run game has been. You guys don't even have to do anything on the defensive side of the ball in order to slow this Texans offense down. You're going in there with a rookie with a rookie quarterback that has been up and down throughout this entire season. And at times he cannot utilize the weapons that he have on the outside. Now, are these weapons like like the last time we played against you guys, are they D hop? No, they are not. But Brandon Cooks and of course rookie Nico Collins, they can provide some some they they can be a really reliable option for Davis Mills. But unfortunately, he may not have an opportunity to go through his reads in order to get the ball to those guys. And then you also got to take into consideration Tim Kelly is doing an awful job with his play calling. So it, it's that's how bad it is in Houston. I look at y'all defense right now, man, and I say, well, they don't create a lot of turnovers. Uh, they don't give the ball up necessarily a lot, speaking to your offense, but they don't take away the ball that much. All right, I'm looking here, and on the year so far, seven interceptions and only six fumbles, right? And, and Houston has been able to produce more than seven interceptions in a span of three games. Uh, during this season, uh, going back to a couple of games ago. So the Seattle Seahawks, they don't create a, a ton of turnovers. They don't create a ton of pressure. And I look at this defense, especially without Jamal Adams, this is a defense that I believe is vulnerable. However, this defense would be vulnerable if you were playing a more uh, ready-to-play quarterback, and that is what scares me. Not the product that you have, but again – as Cody already said, it's who, who we have here. Normally, if this was a – not even Tyrod. This was a, a respectable quarterback playing the Seattle Seahawks, I'd be more confident because of the what you have. You guys have not been able to do defensively. But, you know, I, we're going into this game with either a rookie or a banged-up quarterback, veteran quarterback who's been injured the last four years, and how can anybody really get excited for that? Yeah, I look at this game from the perspective of Seattle on defense – 
I mentioned it earlier. I think you guys threw the name out there. Brandon Cooks is the only player on this offense that scares me because of his speed, his ability to win downfield. He does have 65 catches this year. He's really the only guy on offense that has done all that much. But again, it's going to fall on can Davis Mills actually have time to throw. And he might in this game because Seattle's pass rush is not good. It has been disappointing this year. I think the expectation going into the season was we got all the guys coming back, including Carlos Dunlap. We were outstanding getting after the quarterback in the second half. That has not carried over to this season. And now without Jamal Adams, even though he didn't have a sack this year before getting hurt, hasn't been featured near as much as a blitzer. They just don't have the horses to consistently get after quarterbacks. And so maybe Davis Mills, this is the game that he has time to throw and he can get the ball to Brandon Cooks. Seattle's secondary has played a lot better. The corners have been much better in the last four or five games. But that would be a test just with his athletic traits and his speed. He's had some success against the Seahawks in the past. And so that is certainly the matchup that strikes the most fear in me going into this game. The run game does not worry me at all. As you guys mentioned, it's, you know, you always want to give teams benefit of the doubt, but I've not seen anything that suggests to me that they're going to be able to run the ball on this Seahawks defense. that just gave up only 71 yards on the ground to the 49ers who were averaging 180 a game in the previous three games. So this has been a really stout run defense. I do worry about Brandon Cooks if they have time to throw, getting some big plays against the secondary. Coming up next, we will discuss the game itself and the actual scores, but no one plays daily fantasy football to lose, right? Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you are up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchup, winner takes all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Heroes show you their lineup before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one with. The never-before-seen innovation of fantasy sports or sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are four times better. The Stat Hero head-to-head is what daily fantasy sports should be one-on-one. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% uh, deposit match. Once again, stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk keys to victory heading into this week 13 matchup. We've got the Seahawks and the Texans playing in Houston. It's been subpar seasons for both teams, but they got a chance to get a win. Both teams do. Let's talk the keys to victory. Cody, I'm going to start with you for the Texans. It's been a really rough season going 2-10, and but you are playing a Seahawks team that's lost eight games. How can they hand the Seahawks loss number nine in week 14? Only if their offense can sustain drives, plain and simple, because I think John can attest to this as well. The defense has done a great job creating takeaways. I believe they now have 14 takeaways over the last four games, somewhere along those lines. Um, the D-line has done a really good job getting after the quarterback. But So the defense does their job. But the offense, a lot of times they're just three and out. And not only that, they have to score points. You cannot win of NFL game by – just kicking field goals or just not scoring a touchdown at all. This offense, when I tell you, it's arguably the worst in franchise history. 
they have to do something in order to sustain drive. If they sustain drives and put a couple points on the board, then I would say they have a chance. But if not, this is just going to be another blowout. I would like to add to that and say the best way, uh, you know, Houston can put themselves in a position to win, Corbin, is to attack the Seahawks vertically. You know, we have a speedy receiver in, in Brandon Cooks. We have a big body uh, receiver in Nico Collins, who I think can make plays down the field. But when I look at this team, they are clearly not set up to win games by running the ball. We've seen that. We know that narrative. However, if you put the pressure on these DBs vertically, I think this will give Houston the best chance to put points on the board, like as Cody alluded to, and actually secure a win on Sunday. I look at the Seahawks, and they're coming off this big win over the 49ers. The offense got going. And it's funny we're talking about the run game so much because the Texans can't run the ball and they can't stop the run. Seattle has struggled at times this year being able to get their ground game going. But Rashad Penny finally had a big game last weekend. Adrian Peterson looks like he maybe found the fountain of youth a little bit running between the tackles. Not going to put up big numbers, but had some nice runs last week. Gave him a little bit of a boost. Alex Collins might be back this week as well. Travis Homer had a 73-yard touchdown on a fake punt, but he's done some nice things on the backfield. I just think the diversity they have in the backfield, the runners that they've got, different styles, different tempos. I just feel like this is the week. If you can't run the ball this week, then you probably should just give up because you should be able to run the ball at will on the Houston Texans. And the best part about that, you open up the play-action passing game, and I know analytics says, well, you don't need a run game to have play-action. It certainly doesn't hurt it, and I think Russell Wilson having a run game behind him against the defense hasn't been able to stop the run. You get those play-action shots, and I don't care if the Texans secondary has been playing better. That puts them in a terrible position going against two really good receivers and a rising talent in D. Eskridge. I think that that matchup heavily skews towards the Seahawks. If they can get that play-action passing game going off the run game, this could be a game where they put up a lot of points, but they got to get that ground game going. This is the week to let it fly, get those running backs going, get the play-action working off. they can do that, then they should be able to win this game comfortably. And a key word there is should, because this has been a season where they haven't been able to do a lot of the things they should have been able to do. Well, I will say yeah. this. We had the same thing with Miami. And they won, and they've been they have been winning ever since. They uh, have so, been <laughs> and and so there was maybe, another team. Oh, the Patriots as well. They beat the Texans, and they've been on a roll ever since. So maybe this is the game where you guys can find your rhythm and go on this run. And who knows? Maybe these last five games, starting with the Texans, might be the key to keeping Russell Wilson in Seattle. Who knows? Pete Carroll did say they're not going to close the door. On the playoffs just yet, and, and every team needs a boost, and we've been boosting yeah. a lot of teams this year. So. They they said they're not dead yet, so we're we're gonna get right into the predictions here. And I'm gonna admit this has been, I mean, I, this has been a year for me. It's been just like the Seahawks in terms of not meeting expectations with predictions this year. Last year, I went 13 and three predicting games. This year, I have gotten two games right the entire season. It has just been a disaster. A lot of games the Seahawks should have won that I predicted them to win. They weren't able to do it. So I'm probably jinxing the living daylights out of them. But it's not that I don't respect the Texans. You have to respect every NFL team. But if Seattle doesn't win this one by 20-plus points, there's something wrong with them. 
I feel like the way the offense played last week is going to carry over. Russell Wilson's only going to get better as he gets further distance from that finger surgery. Their defense, even without Jamal Adams, they've got playmakers. They're sixth in the NFL in scoring defense right now. They're playing really sound football. I think they can get by with Ryan Neal. So I actually think Seattle wins this one 34-13. I think the Texans will find a way to put some points on the board later in the game. But I think they're going to make life tough on Davis Mills without the weapons, with the lack of an offensive line. I think the Seahawks will be able to get some pressure. And I think on offense, maybe they could get to 40. But until I actually see them do that, I'm not going to predict it. But I think another big day for the offense. Russell Wilson has a big day. And I think they do get that ground game going against a defense that quite frankly, has not been able to stop the run all season long. Well, the fact that you gave them 13 points lets me know that you have a little bit more faith than I do. Also, (laughs) I've always been somewhat of a Russell Wilson fan, so I am excited that I do have an opportunity to see (laughs) Russell Wilson on Sundays. Probably the only time I'm looking forward to going to the game. And I actually want to see Russell Wilson cook. I am sorry. So with that being said, I'm going to go... 35-0, 35-0, Seattle. <laughs> and it's not, I know you made that face, Corbin, but we've seen Houston put up goose eggs a couple times this they year. They just did last yep. week. Right. Uh, I, I look at this game as a game where, as we just mentioned, it'll be a booster for the Seahawks, and I hate to be the person to not give Houston some type of positivity, but, <laughs> you know, we're being realistic right here on the Locked On Podcast. That's what we do. 30-10 Seahawks. I think the Seahawks rush for well over 100 yards, and I think this is a game total, uh, you know, well over 100 yards total, including Russell Wilson and the rest of the backs. But I also think this is a game where, you know, Russ gets more and more comfortable as he returns and get more healthy as well. And you know, Cody, Cody said it. He cooks, and I think that's what happens. It'll be interesting to see how things play out because, you know, Going into the season, like I said, the Texans, there weren't expectations for them being good with all the turmoil they were dealing with, especially with Deshaun Watson. The Seahawks were supposed to be, but they haven't been. And so, you know, maybe they close out the season playing like the team that a lot of people thought they were going to be. And this could be another stepping stone for them too. Again, they're four and eight, but they're still in the playoff hunt. They can still finish nine and eight if they win out. And in the NFC, that could be more than good enough to get one of those final wildcard spots. But nonetheless, if the Texans win this game, we'll know that they listened and they were upset that all three of us picked them to get smoked. So, <laughs> well, they won't make the playoffs because the they were the – And Texans Nation having the chance to listen to our show. And, and make sure that you listen to our upcoming podcast coming up on Friday on Locked on Seahawks and on Locked on Texans. Five days a week. Make sure you're listening to every episode. Glad for your support. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, Cody Davis, and John Hickman of Locked On Texans. Enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks for listening. You are Locked On Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.